0: We're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter six, verse 18. If you would open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter six, verse 18, and let's stand for the reading of God's word, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So we have. Two more messages regarding Christian warfare. Um, it'll be this week on prayer, praying in the spirit. Next week, I'm going to do a little one step away. I'm going to be speaking on, and you can pray for me about this, be praying about just the state of where we are as nation. And I think especially in light of this week's elections and then talk a little bit about What it means when Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And I think sometimes we really lose sight of what Jesus was saying when he was talking about the mission of the gospel. And sometimes in the midst of a lot of the challenges of living in the world but not being of the world, we can very much get caught up with even whether it's political, socioeconomic issues, and make that the center point of what we think of as the purpose and mission of the church. And I want to reflect and think through that a little bit, especially as Jesus stands before Pontius Pilate and says these words, my kingdom is not of this world. So I'm going to take a step away and sort of reflect on, especially in light of the elections this week. And then the following week, we'll talk about praying for all the saints. So prayer, kingdom, prayer. Okay, so just to give you a little bit of a... Um, an update of where we're going in the next few weeks. And then after that, we're going to start a new series in, in the book of Galatians on uh, a series called Core Christianity. And we'll talk about what it is that we believe in as the gospel when we think and think through that, especially in light of biblical theology. And so what does the gospel mean as Paul speaks about it in Galatians? So again, that's sort of a roadmap for not just this year, but next year to come. But today, we are talking about praying in the spirit. And when we think about this last aspect of this Christian warfare perspective, it really is tempting to see prayer as another piece of armor. But I don't think it's a mistake that Paul doesn't mention prayer as a piece of armor. Paul does that very intentionally because he doesn't want us to think of prayer as a piece of armor that it isn't just a piece, but rather prayer is is really meant to be the heart and the will and the desire when we put on each piece of armor. It's a, a constant reminder that each piece of armor, without God sovereignly doing the work, is really no armor at all. It's, it provides no protect, protection if God is not there. So the armor doesn't protect you. God protects you. The armor is a means that God uses, a means of grace so that we can actually fight this fight of faith. But lest we think it's about me reading the Bible, me praying, me, um, putting on the shield of faith or the breastplate of righteousness. And I think I've gone through this enough, but just to, just to remind you again, it's, it's not about me doing the work. It's, my response in light of who God is. And in case we have forgotten, Paul then goes to this length to say, hey, remember, it is about God, and prayer reminds us of that. You could make the case that verse 18 really is a bookend to verse 10. Remember verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Prayer is the practical outworking of how we are to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It shows that what we believe, we know it to be true. And so for these weeks that we'll be speaking on prayer, we'll see prayer really as a gift. And today we'll examine what it means to be praying in the Spirit by looking at prayer at all times, of all kinds, of all requests, and in the Spirit. So first let's look at prayer at all times, in the Spirit. And I take that literally. I think Paul means it when he says pray at all times, meaning there's no wrong time to pray. Paul makes a very similar statement in first Thessalonians 5.17 when he calls us to pray Without ceasing. In Philippians chapter one, verse four, Paul says that he is always in prayer for the church. So the question is this. Is it possible to actually pray all the time without ceasing? I want to look at different ways that we pray without ceasing. First, it means that we pray in all moments. Paul says in this same letter in Ephesians five sixteen, he says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Because we do believe that the days are evil, that there is a, a spiritual war, and also that Satan doesn't let up, we pray at all time, in all moments. We make the most of every opportunity to pray because we know we have to pray. Prayer is not left for times only when you come to church on Sunday. Or right after you have, as we talked about, we think of quiet time. We have that set time with God, and then we say, okay, the rest of my day, I don't have to pray, because I already prayed already. (laughs) If you go to a prayer meeting, you might think, that's the only time you need to pray, but every other time, I don't really need to pray. You might not even say, I don't need to pray, but by the fact that you don't pray at all times shows actually you think I don't need to pray. Prayer is not about a moment and then a fleeting moment and it's gone. There is really no inappropriate time for us to pray. Sometimes the Lord answers us when we cry out to him for hours and on our knees and and with folded hands, and bowed head, and those are certainly important ways to pray. But sometimes, as God shows Ezekiel, he answers prayer even in the stillness of a small voice, a moment of quiet. God speaks to us so clearly sometimes that it can almost sound like an audible voice, and I know many have heard, you might say, the voice of the Lord. Because there's such an intimacy with God that it almost sounds like God is talking to us. But this assumes that you're in a relationship with him. And when you're in that relationship with him, then communication is ongoing. There are also seasons of prayers, not just moments, but seasons. We tend to think that prayer comes in times of where where things are at peace, times of joy and plenty. And we also know that oftentimes, actually, when times are difficult, those are times we really begin to settle in into prayer. We, we really cry out to him. But I wonder how many of us think this, that we can actually pray also even right after we have sinned. You know, we tend to think that prayer is during times of difficulty, suffering, which clearly many of us have experienced. That's when our hearts are stirred to pray. And when things are well, when you've heard good news, you give praise to God. But most of us have the most difficult time praying to God in the middle or right after deep, dark sin. Why is that? Because there's this tendency to think there's no way God would ever hear us. I think of someone like David. You know, He had some real blessings throughout his life. But as most of us know his story, and I'm so thankful for those stories, David lived a life also of deep, dark, hidden sin. Sins that any one of us, if we were to commit, we would be holding our head in shame. And who amongst us could think that we could come to God in prayer right after doing such evil deeds? You could see why David was so deaf to God that it took Nathan, the prophet, coming to him, telling these stories, and even as Nathan is confronting him, he couldn't hear it because you get to a point when you're in the middle of dark sin that you think, as long as I can hide it, Within myself, I don't need to confront it. And the last one you want to come before in the middle of that is God. That's why it's so hard in the middle of a conflict to yield. Or when we are in the throes of darkness. It could be all sorts of immoralities. We just think God will never hear. But when we think of David, and we think of the just The the darkness of his sin, the difference and distinctiveness between him and Saul was, Saul just never got to a point where he realized, I'm a sinner. But David, he recognized it. And so we hear those beautiful words from Psalm 51, David's confession. And we hear in chapter 51, verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do you think God heard those words? Do you know in the middle of that psalm, actually towards the end, there's confidence that David has and his confidence right after this sin, when he finally confesses, he says this in Psalm 51, 17, same psalm, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. So David says, Stands on this truth, the promise that God is a God who redeems, who knows the deepest, darkest secrets of your life. And He doesn't say to you, don't pray. Rather, He says, come, confess, repent, turn, and I will heal, I will forgive. What I love about praying in the Spirit at all times means that we can come to Him when we feel as though we shouldn't come to Him. We don't deserve to come to Him. In those moments, that's when you have to run to Him. And you have to realize that when all else turn away turns away, God will never turn away. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Also, busyness. That's a time we need to really pray. All times means when you are most busy, that's when you need to most pray. Um, I have a, I'm like probably most of you. I'm a, I get very harried and I'm very much a do, 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 go, go, go person. Um, today, you know, this is a great illustration. We had so many things happen to keep us from being able to broadcast this worship today. Uh, for some reason, none of our broadcasting equipment, cameras, they all failed. It happened yesterday. And we said, let's get here and work it all out. So we are, there's about four of us who are working hard. So thankful for everyone who worked hard to get this to work so that you can actually be watching this right now. But. There was a certain point where we're all gathering around trying to figure all things out, and I just realized, oh, yeah, I have to pray. (laughs) It's not just trying to figure it out. So I spent some time praying, praying over everything. And, you know, what was remarkable is this is the weirdest part of all. Suddenly, not immediately after, but it all worked. And we actually don't know how. On top of that, there was a power failure. (laughs) Everything just shut off, the whole place shut down, and then rebooted again. It was almost as if the Lord was saying, this is about me, right? Not about actually having technologically everything being cool and working good and looking good. It is about me, right? We are so often so busy that we forget. That actually, when we are most busy, most harried, most flustered, Paul says, praying in the Spirit is at all times. And that means during those times. Prayer is critical in the midst of your busyness. The busier you are, I want to challenge you to actually get on your knees and to pray. And don't ever think that, well, I don't have time for that. No, actually... Because you're so busy, you have to pray more. You have to pray with depth. You have to reflect. If you ever feel anxious, Paul says in Philippians 4, pray, pray. That's the answer. Give thanks. You know, in the midst of, do not be anxious, but with prayer and supplication and the peace of God, it guards your hearts. But what is the answer to all that? Prayer. D.A. Carson tells this story uh, of an author, Lillian Guild. She and her husband were driving along and happened to notice a late model Cadillac with its hood up, parked at the side of the road. And the driver was flustered. So Mrs. Guild and her husband pull over to see if they could offer assistance. And the stranded driver explains that he had known when he had left home that he was, and all of us have done this, he was really low on fuel. So he had been in such a hurry to get an important bit, to get to such an important business meeting. He had taken, not taken the time to fill up his tank. Again, you know, we all know this. You try to eke it out to just get there. But of course he didn't make it. So the guilds happened to have a spare gallon of fuel with them. And they told the other driver that a gas station is only a few miles away. This gallon will get you there. So thanking them profusely, he speeds off. 12 miles later, they see the same car. Hood popped up, stranded at the side of the road. And obviously this guy is more upset than ever. And what they pull over again, and he's pathetically grateful. And as you can imagine, He tried to make it on that one gallon and didn't make it. And so he decides to skip the gas station, pressing on in the hope that that one gallon would get him there. And this is what D.A. Carson says, it is hard to believe anyone would be so stupid until we remember that that is exactly how many of us go about the business of Christian living. We are so busy pressing on to the next item on the agenda that we choose not to pause for fuel. So we laugh at that guy and we think, you're an idiot. But how many of us fall into the stupid category when it comes to praying? We try so hard to get there just by our own little eking out of our own personal strength. I fall into the stupid category. I do many times. And so praying in the spirit means praying at all times. Praying at all times means praying when we're most busy. Most flustered. So I hope you remember that when we think about prayers, praying at all times in all those circumstances. Next, we pray all kinds of prayer, as Paul says. All prayer, he says. And that's really an encouraging word about prayer, isn't it? That we can pray to the Father with all kinds of prayer. And we see many of those all kinds of prayer in the Bible. There's not just one Means or one model of prayer. We might think of the Lord's Prayer as that model, but the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus said it, it's not, Oh, you must always pray like that, but it's to have those facets of prayer in our context. But certainly we see in the Bible many types of prayer. We see Nehemiah praying. Remember how he prayed in talking to the king of Persia? And how long were those prayers? One sentence. We saw that prayer. We saw Daniel's prayer with windows open, kneeling in his room three times a day. We see David's prayer of repentance as he fasts in prayer, interceding and praying, Oh God, if you should just spare this son being born. We see Hannah's prayer in the temple, weeping, weeping so much that the priest Levi thought, Eli uh, Eli, Eli thought, Ellie, sorry, (laughs) Eli, (laughs) thought he was, she was drunk. I mean, I don't know what that prayer must have been like for Eli to think she was drunk in prayer. One prayer that really stands out to me is Elijah's prayer on Mount Carmel because of the contrast. Because of the contrast. Now think about this. Because oftentimes we think the most godly prayer is the one where it's loudest, where you're slapping the ground and shouting and screaming and hitting something and yelling. But when you think about Elijah and the, the priests of Baal at Mount Carmel, and as they're crying out and they're slashing each other with swords and blood is pouring out and they're screaming and shouting and Uh, Elijah is saying, pray louder because your God is not listening to you. He can't hear. He's deaf. You need to pray louder. And they're screaming and yelling all day. And then listen to Elijah's prayer in 1 Kings 18. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I've done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their, their hearts back again. What a contrast. That was his prayer. And then fire from heaven falls down and consumes the altar filled with water. I think when you look at those prayers, you see a vast variety of prayers because God isn't looking for the mode. He's looking for the heart. It's why he chose David over all the other brothers that were in that household. God is looking at your heart when you pray. So whether you pray loud or quiet, in private or in public, we see Private and public prayers all throughout the Bible. It's not about private and public. Because when Paul and Barnabas were about to go on their mission, the church surrounds them in a public prayer in Acts 13 and prays over them publicly, and they're all praying together. We see prayers in Acts 2 where it's completely public, but God is glorified as Peter prays. We also see private prayers throughout Scripture. And so, let us not think it's about public or private, loud or quiet. There are all kinds of prayers. You can pray long or short. And the long prayer can be godly or absolutely ungodly. And the short prayer can be absolutely ungodly or Christ-loving. It could be loud or silent, on our knees, laying on the floor, sitting, standing, standing, we can come to church to pray or be in our room. You can be on the BART surrounded by people and praying. You can be at the ocean watching the waves crashing. You can be on your honeymoon and praying. You can be in the delivery room awaiting the birth of your child. You can be awaiting surgery or removing a, having your tumor removed. Or even at your last breath, you could be praying. What a gift prayer is. And that's all because of Jesus and what he has done, which allows us to pray all kinds of prayer. So I think it's really a disservice to one another when we evaluate people's prayers based on time length or on whether they're quiet or loud. But instead, let us join together in prayer. Next, we can pray all requests as Paul says, with all prayer and supplication. He's basically reiterating what Jesus had said about prayer in John fifteen seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given for you. And then also in Luke 11, 10 through 13, for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We who are in Christ can ask for anything in prayer. But there is a critical condition upon which we Ask for prayer. Do you notice the conditions? If you look at John fifteen seven, we must abide in him. What's the condition of Luke 11? We must be his children. We actually have to be his children and he our father. I think I can speak for most parents that generally good parents love to give gifts to their children. But, when their children receive the gift and care nothing for the parent, it really doesn't make any parent feel so good. I think that's, I think I can speak generally for most parents that giving gifts and the child just dismissing the parent and only caring about the gift, that always makes a parent feel pretty bad. Well, how much more God our father? If we don't care for him, his glory, his fame, his reputation, his renown, If all we care about is what we get, we become so self-centered about what we obtain, then we are no different than someone who does not know Christ. Because that's how a non-Christian responds to God. They don't care about God. They only care about what they get. And when they don't get it, they don't care about God. If we only turn to God when we need something, then we won't ever understand at all when someone... When sometimes God does answer no. Now listen to that again. If we only come to God when we need something, then when sometimes God says no, we will never understand it. And sometimes God does say no. And how you respond to God and how you come to Him with saying, Lord, I don't, as much as I want this job, I actually care about your renown more than the job. And so therefore, if you say no, I trust you. It's hard. It's hard to hear that no, but you still believe God is sovereignly looking out for your good, your best. And there's no doubt about that in the end. Even though there's a a hurt, a rejection, rejection of a friend, of a person, perhaps someone you're actually interested in and having a relationship with and the no comes out. You trust God and his plans more than anything else. So we have to be so deeply satisfied with him that that no is something we see as from the Lord. Paul saw that himself. He remembered that when he cried out, "You know, Lord, remove this thorn in the flesh from me. Remember the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer has the same idea. It says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember that part in the Lord's Prayer? What's the next part? Give us this day our daily bread. What comes first? The give us this day or the thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Obviously, it's the thy kingdom come, thy will be done part first. That's the same idea as if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be given you. It's if you are living in accordance with my will, then ask whatever you wish and it will be given you thy kingdom come thy will be done give us this day our daily bread but if you're asking give me this lord and then whatever it is it's oh only when the answer is in the affirmative then god is to be praised but if it's no it's god why did you do this to me why didn't you answer me i deserve more well, that heart says, you don't actually believe thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You're not acting like a child who has a loving father. You're acting like a servant, a slave. That's orphan language. And so, sometimes that means we will get the job we're, we're interviewing for, and sometimes we won't. Sometimes we will receive healing, and sometimes we won't. Sometimes... The loved one that we're praying for will receive healing, sometimes not. Uh, you know that Echo Prayer app? I um I just restarted it because I wanted... They didn't used to have the group function, actually. And um so I haven't opened it in a while. I actually had an old phone and I downloaded there and then I restarted it, started the group app so that we can do it together. But when I opened it under the My Prayer section, I had some prayers. And this was from about four or five years ago. And in them, there were prayers for many of the people in our church, loved ones. And in that, in that list, about five of them, three of them died. And I was looking at that. It just was so striking to me. That I, I was thinking, we were praying for these people, and three of the people died, two of the people lived. And I just thought, Lord, I trust you. We've had to pray this prayer, you know? This was about four years ago that I opened that up. So you can imagine who are the people that I'm thinking about. And when I think about that, I just think, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in Him. Do we believe that? You only believe that if you know God is faithful. You've seen him work. Paul says this when he prayed, Oh God, please take this thorn in the flesh away from me. And Jesus says to him in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, we hear the answer, My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. For my power is made perfect, in your weakness you have a choice when you pray and you don't receive the answer you receive will you walk away pouting self-pitying sighing because you didn't get what you want or will you continue to pray because you know that that answer that you received is Jesus' grace that is sufficient for you because he cares for you he loves you And though darkness might come, it will not be there forever. When you are in Christ and you live for his renown, there is not a thing you need to be afraid of asking for. You can ask for anything, the simplest of requests. Sometimes he answers them, oh Lord, please help my baby to sleep tonight. Please help me, oh Lord, as I'm putting this IKEA furniture together to put Get it all working right. Please, oh Lord, help this camera to work today so we can have worship. Remember, I remember when we were, um, we prayed, oh Lord, please let it not rain on Easter (laughs) so that we could have our Easter celebration outside and it was pouring that day. (laughs) Oh Lord, please, Lord, get the system going because George Neman is here preaching and he's not the loudest of speakers. (laughs) <laughs> and all the power was gone, and he, everyone had to crowd around. God wants to show us great and mighty things, sometimes by saying no. He wants to show us, though sometimes when we ask for daily bread, he will give it. He will. Please, Lord, remove my back pain, and suddenly it's gone. Oh, Lord, please get the cameras working, and it works. Those are answered prayers yes, sometimes No. As to why or why not, at certain times, I trust him. Because his grace is sufficient. It's enough. Daily bread is all we need. And remember that Jesus says, only pray for daily bread. Don't ask, don't be like the Israelites who went out, you know, gathering manna. And God says, just one. You only gather enough for one day. And that's it. Because that's what Jesus was thinking about when he said this. And people of Israel, they... They said, oh, I'm going to store enough. I'm going to hoard it all. And then it all rots away. Because what happens when you store it for yourself? You become that rich fool who hoards. And God says, you fool, I will take you tonight. You think you can hoard for yourself everything? You think your wealth is all for you and not to be used for God's kingdom and glory? I will take it away tonight. But we have a gracious heavenly father who loves giving. But you got to ask and you will receive. Let me just one more part aspect of praying in the spirit is praying in the spirit, (laughs) which is the most important aspect of what it means to pray in the spirit. And what does this mean? It is the condition. The Holy Spirit is a condition upon which God hears our prayers. He's the one who brings our prayers to the Father. We see this in Ephesians 2.18. Listen to this. For through him, we have access in one spirit to the Father. This is a triune verse. Through Christ, we have access in one spirit to the Father. The triune Godhead is actively at, engaged and at work every time you pray. And so we, we need to remember what Jesus said about the role of the Holy Spirit when he was no longer going to be with the disciples. In John sixteen thirteen it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit is the one who speaks. He guides you into truth. And one of the primary means by which he guides you is through prayer. Paul so beautifully describes it in Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit, and all of us know this, how it feels to be weak in prayer, weak in our hearts. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He aids us to pray to the Father through the Son. The Holy Spirit does that. And He does that throughout all of our prayers. There is never a point that our prayer is perfectly laid out. John Calvin describes it like this. We, when we pray, we're like little babies. It's like a baby talking to an adult. You know, a little, one-year-old trying to make sense and you know the baby babble that's i mean that's the way that god hears us it's we're so inadequate so for any of us who thinks wow you have to pray with all this language but you can't pray with simplicity at all or you you have to use big theological words i've heard really big prayers of huge theological words And you always wonder, does this person know the Lord or not? And then sometimes you hear a little child praying and you think, wow, I was so blessed. Doesn't It doesn't mean you can't use theological words. I think you understand what I'm saying is that it is God by his spirit who takes our words and we never need to be afraid of using them to pray unto the Lord. So how does he do this? Just very quickly, he does it by making our prayers intentional. Prayer is never rote or dry. It doesn't mean we don't labor or we're not distracted in prayer. But don't settle for that. If you're just praying right before a meal just so that you can eat and you think that that's no different than setting the table, I think sometimes we, so many of us think of praying before a meal as no different than putting your fork and knife and putting your knife. That's just part of the meal time. Rather than, God, if if you weren't here, this food would be nothing to me. The the prayer sets the the time of eating right so that you're always thankful because you say, I know there are people, and many of us have seen it, even in Africa, there are people who have nothing. I don't deserve this, but you provided this for me. Once prayer becomes rote, like a, a an obli- obligatory act, Or some sort of ritual that we do to somehow be superstitious about things, as if to say that's what a true Christian is, to pray before your meal. No. May I say something uh, stark, which is don't pray before your meal at all if you're going to make it a ritual. God, he detests it according to Isaiah 58. So if you're going to, if you're going to pray ritualistically as though somehow it's some little pattern, before a meal, then don't pray that prayer. Just go and eat. Because that's actually worse. But if you're going to pray before a meal, pray with your heart. Even if it takes a little bit. Even if you have to sit there and wait. And everyone's going, well, why isn't he praying? Because you're trying to say, Lord, right now I'm distracted. I need to take a moment to settle my heart. Don't begin worship with prayer just because that's how every it's supposed to be that way. Do you understand the point? Praying in the Spirit means there has to be an intentionality of actually wanting to know God, wanting to be with Him, wanting to communicate with Him, wanting to be in relationship with Him, wanting to thank Him. Prayer also has to be overflowing. And this is what I mean by this. One person said, pray until you pray. And for those of you who pray, you know what that means. Pray until you pray. Because usually when you start praying, you know that you're distracted. Like there are all these thoughts, and but you're trying, you're getting. And sometimes praying till you're praying means you pray five minutes, one minute. Sometimes praying till you're praying means you pray two hours. Because that first hour is you're still distracted. <laughs> or that first 30 minutes, you're still distracted. And then suddenly it's as if the dam broke and the spirit just, he's, he does what we hear in Romans 8:26. He intercedes with groanings and suddenly you're praying and you're it's just it's just flowing out of you. Jesus says this in Luke 6:45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. I want to focus on the first part. We usually focus on the second part, but the first part's important. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. So when you're a person who has the Holy Spirit because you believe in Christ, and that's his his presence is in you. So when you're praying, eventually you will pray, but you need to actually persist and prevail in that prayer lastly, is leading. Ultimately, this is what the Holy Spirit does. He leads us to pray in Jesus' name. And we don't just say that at the end of a prayer because it's a nice uh, wrap up to prayer. It's not sincerely, Sam. You know, it's not that letter. It's not finding that nice close at the end. When you say in Jesus' name, amen. And I want to encourage you to say that actually. And you know, The reason is, it's not because, again, it's ritualistic. You say that because the only way this prayer is heard is because Jesus Christ, God the Son, died so that you can be adopted into his family as son and daughter. And when you are adopted into his family, you can call God, Abba, Father. We're told um, in Galatians 4, 6 through 7, this, and because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit, again, a Trinitarian prayer statement. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. That Those verses, those two verses, are the reason why we say in Jesus' name, amen. It's exactly this. Because you are sons, because Christ has done the work of purchasing your life so that you could be forever called son and daughter. And now you can cry out to him, Abba, Father, you can call him Father. You can say, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. And you're no longer a slave, but a son and an heir. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you see why you say in Jesus' name? And those are precious words. You're always saying it's a gospel close. It's a gospel cry. It's saying, oh God, hear my prayer on the basis of what your son did. And now I am your child. So hear my prayer in Jesus' name. That's what in Jesus' name means. May it not be just some nice conclusion to a story. May it be confidence. It's the boldness that allows us to come into the throne of grace and to say, Father, I know you will hear my prayer. I'm confident because it's in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Father, we believe with all of our hearts that the sole reason you hear our prayers is because your son took our place, not just on the cross, but on it, really to bear the punishment of hell and He didn't just take our place. He gives us and credits us with his righteousness. And it is that righteousness that gives us the power and the freedom to now be able to address you, O God, as Father. And on that basis, by your Holy Spirit who brings our prayers to you, You not only hear our prayers, you love to answer them. You love to hear them. You will always hear our prayers. We trust you, Lord, regardless of the answer. Sometimes it will be yes, sometimes it will be no. But we thank you that we can pray for parking spaces. We can pray for a good night's rest for a child. We can pray for healing from an illness, good result on a test, We can pray for all sorts of things. There is nothing that you say we should not pray for. But what you do ask of us is that we trust you with the result because we can believe that, first, you will always act upon your glory and your renown, which we want, and we know that when that happens, our greatest ultimate desire is fulfilled. We believe that. And then secondly, we know when that is true, that you will always do what is best for us, what is most loving, what is ultimately most glorifying to you, which will satisfy our souls completely. So we submit our wills, our desires. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread.